Some of y'all, we got people still coming in. It's so good to see you all this morning. We're going to get started here in just a minute. So as you are coming in, uh, find yourself a spot. It's so good to see you. A couple of announcements uh, that we're going to make before we get started, just so you can remember them. Um, Many of you have been asking about baptisms because usually we do a a church picnic out at uh, Amigo during August, and we do an outside baptism. Uh, Amigo's not allowed to have bathrooms right now open, so we're going to schedule our baptism for uh, sometime during September here at the church. So if you're not baptized and you're interested in getting baptized, you're going to need to see Doug Schwartz, who's right here in the plaid. Hey, Doug, hold up your hand for me. Uh, So Doug leads our uh, baptism class and those type of things. So you're going to need to see Doug if you need to get on the schedule for that. We'll have a solid date uh, probably next week to give to you for those particular things. Amen. So it's really good. Uh, If you're a visitor here this morning, we'd like to welcome you. Let's welcome all our visitors. Come on, big welcome. Yeah, I welcome you. Thanks for coming. Here's some things that I want to say to you as a visitor. We are so honored that you're here. We know this is a different season for a lot of people. Uh, it's a different season for everyone, really, but for churches and in particular. Listen, if you're a visitor here this morning and you're visiting because your church is not in service yet, first of all, thank you. What an honor for coming to visit us. Second of all, when it comes to giving... We're going to ask you that if you have a home church, give to your home church, even though you're visiting here. Uh, we want to make sure that we're still in support of, of our leaders and why. Listen, I want you to understand, uh, never has your church leadership had to lead the church through a uh, global pandemic. And so we put no judgments on why churches are meeting, on why some churches aren't meeting. We just simply say, hey, we're meeting And we've got sanitizer and social distancing, all those things, amen? But if you're visiting because your church is not meeting, I'm going to ask you not to give at Firm Foundation Ministries. I want you to give to your home church, support them in what they're doing. It's a great thing, but you can come and worship with us all you'd like. But if you do come to church here, everybody say, this is my home. This is my home. Giving looks a lot different too, doesn't it? So there's some giving stations out back so we don't have to pass out uh, the, the things and you can give online. Thank you for doing that. That's an important part of those things. We always have seen that as part of worship. It looks a little different now. Uh, everybody say this Tuesday. All right. You're not allowed to complain if you don't participate Tuesday. I said you're not allowed to complain if you don't participate Tuesday. The biggest way you can make your voice be heard is vote. And so as your pastor, I'm not going to get political with you. I'm just going to say you need to vote. Amen. And uh, I encourage you to do that. Um, There are some great local uh, people running who represent who you are and what your faith is and those things anyway. uh, But participate Tuesday. Don't forget that's coming up, uh, and it's very, very important. Last but not least, amen, uh, I have some kids' notes up here, and one of the things that we love about Firm Foundation Ministries is all of those kids, all the young people who sit in on the sermon, we want you to play it, pay attention to the message, not play in Clash of Clans on your phone while... Did I say it out loud? <laughs> Hey, you got the coolest pastor in the world. I've been playing Clash of Clans for eight years. 
but not during my sermon. Hello, somebody. Amen. But uh, we want you to pay attention. So uh, each week there are sermon notes that are designed for the sermon. So uh, come up and get some of those. Turn them in uh, at the end of the service right back in the same basket right there. And then we'll draw out for a winner. So the winner from last week's sermon notes, are you ready? Is Zeke Britton. So let's give Zeke a hand. Amen. And... Um, Zeke, you got to come see me again, buddy. We'll figure it out. I think I remember uh, what kind of candy you like. Amen. It's all those good things. Won't you stand with me in this place? It's so good to see you all here this morning. We're going to get right into worship. And uh, we just want to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I said we came to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. Who came to celebrate Jesus? I want to give you the freedom to do that. We make no apologies here at Firm. That we have come to celebrate Jesus. Somebody say amen. Come on. And to lift him up. He's worthy of our praise. We've got no other agenda in this place but to worship Jesus, to celebrate his goodness, and, and, and to lift him up. And so this morning you have the freedom to do that. We want you to sing and celebrate with all that you have today as we just lift our voice to heaven. Amen. How many is ready to worship the Lord Jesus Christ? Father, in this place we have come to lift you up, to exalt you. You are the King of kings, Jesus, the Lord of lords. And so come and fill this place with your glory. Lord, we want to give you space. Lord, we want to give you something to fill. Lord, you said that you would inhabit the praises of your people. So, Lord, thank you that as our praise goes up, your presence comes down, Lord. And so have your way in this place today as we celebrate your goodness in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said? Amen. Hey, let's start this worship uh, time off with a great testimony. And this is to no way uh, give anybody any glory other than God. Last week, the Lord impressed me to go pray for a young man. Don't know the young man, didn't, didn't know him. And I started praying, the Lord just prayed a prayer of protection over that man's life. We were talking about life and death and just going in deep. This morning, he comes up to me and shows me a couple of pictures of his wrecked car this week. God, that he walked away. He shouldn't have walked away from this wreck. And I'm telling you, God is in the business of saving lives. He is in the business of saving your life, my life and everyone else around you. So if God impresses you to go pray for somebody, get those feet moving. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glorious day. Amen. Woo. That got me pumped up. I'm ready. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. I was breathing, but not alive. I may have been there.
Victory, where the spirit of the Lord. 
Promise freedom and joy, Lord. And we want to live in your promises, Lord. You want to rejoice in your promises. You want to declare that your promises, they are lives in our lives. And right now, I rebuke the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. And so as we sing this next song, Lord, I just wanted you just to move in our hearts. Knowing that in every situation, you are in control, Lord. And we just want to just have faith in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I just encourage you just when we sing the next song, just, read, just lift up your, your hands and your voice to the Lord. Because he is great. And there is no fear in him. Amen. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, sorrow comes to steal the joy I own. When brokenness and pain is all I know, I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. to the lies I'm not 
Come on. This is how I fight my Sing out to your father this morning. Even when I don't feel it, you 
says the battle belongs to you. I just speak rest over weary souls, me included. I speak rest in Jesus' name. I speak against discouragement right now. Oh, trample dead, where is your strength? 
shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night. Then I will rise among the saints. My gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Let's sing it now. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing Your praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord our God. I'm just the voices presence to bless us God as we praise your name so in this place today God our thanksgiving is because you are here with us Lord thank you Lord that you dwell with us thank you Lord that you want to be with us thank you God that we can feel your presence and your embrace in this place and so God we give you all the praise and glory and honor in Jesus name and one more time come on let's give the Lord a hand of praise hallelujah hallelujah so good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. And so thankful for all of you who have come. Amen. And, and once again, if you are a visitor with us at Firm, we want to give you a, a, pray, a hand of round. Thank you for coming. We want to welcome you, amen, into this place. And, and uh, we realize that uh, there's a lot going on in... Thank you, brother. Mr. Wales. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, we know that there's a lot going on in the world today, and um, Lord, I, I just thank you for a place where we can go that no matter what's going on, we know we can, we can get some truth there. You're always going to get the truth in the house of God, amen? And when the Spirit of God is present, you're, the Spirit of truth is present, and, and we can rest in that. 
And it, it's so good to see everyone and, and just welcome you here. Uh, thank you for uh, helping us be successful during this time. Continue to pray for the church and protection as we're pressing forward. Uh, we'll be talking to you uh, probably next week uh, about some dates and those type of things when our Sunday school uh, uh, services will start back and those kind of things, uh, all the things that we're looking forward to getting back into. Uh, man, Bible memory, um, Sunday school hour and all those things. Um, it, it's incredible to, to just think that we can finally get back to those particular things. I remember when I first became a Christian at um, 19, 20 years old, uh, that, that I learned so much from the Word of God in, uh, in the Sunday school hour. And uh, it's so important uh, because I, as, as a 19, 20 year old, I'd never been to church in my life. Uh, I could not have referenced John 3.16 if you gave me a Bible the night I gave my heart to the Lord and said, turn to John 3. I did not know how to do that. Um, that doesn't mean my family was a bad family. It just means that, you know, it wasn't part of who we were and how we, we lived. And I thank God that now um, uh, my whole family is, is uh, saved. And um, over those years, it's been such a great thing, right? Um, and many of them watch online. And, and I have to be careful about the things I share now because <laughs> uh, some of them watch it online. And uh, it's, it's great, though. Um, so Sunday school was a blessing to me and my wife and my whole family. As uh, we learned uh, doctrine, we learned the scripture uh, through that time. And so uh, while other ministries seem to try and cancel the Sunday school hours, uh, me, uh, Pastor Don, your eldership team, push it uh, because of just my own experience. And uh, an hour of learning is, is incredible. So that'll be coming soon. Amen? All right. Somebody's excited. Nancy's excited, right? Amen. Yeah. Got to get that marriage Sunday school class back on. And uh, just so you know that the marriage sermon series is scheduled uh, for uh, starting uh, in about mid-September. We'll give you the dates coming up and those particular things. So we'll get past Labor Day and, and all of that. And, and uh, that'll be an exciting time for us. Amen? Hallelujah. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will. Today, um, I brought my shovel. And it, it's, it's used. I, I thought about washing the dirt off of it, but I was like, no. I earned some blisters with that dirt. That dirt's going to stay on there. Amen. How many ever used a shovel and got some blisters? I, I, I've used a shovel for a lot of things in my life. I've used a broken shovel handle for a couple of things, but that's a different story. Um, my daughter and... Uh, anyway. Hello, somebody. Not on my daughter, on, on some boy who thought he was, uh, anyway, hello somebody. Uh, Pastor Don wasn't always saved. Uh, uh, yeah, nothing to see here. Uh, thank God for Repentance. God's a good God. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to dig a hole. Well, y'all not ready. I said, look at, they're not ready over there. Look at your neighbor and say, time to dig a hole. They're not, they're not ready over there. They're not ready. 
I'm going to pick up in the middle of a story here, but I, I want you to stay. I'm going to explain the story to you, but I, I got to pick it up right here where we're at in this particular section. Now, I don't know if you like Elisha, but I like Elisha. He was the disciple of Elijah, uh, and uh, he, he committed himself so powerfully to discipleship. Hello, somebody. Uh, uh, that God granted him a double portion of his mentor's anointing. Now, I, I want you to understand that. For any of you that are mentors in this place, that ought to be your prayer. That those who come behind you walk in a double portion of what you ever walked in. Uh, the older I get, the more I learn that God's greatest calling on my life is to fade. So that those who come behind, come on somebody. Elisha is a gentleman who came behind Elijah. Now, watch this. I like Elisha. He's my man. He, he's my guy. This scripture, this portion, I'll explain to you later. It blesses my soul. Verse 13, and Elisha said to the king of Israel. Now, the king of Israel was Jehoram. Now, you got to understand, Jehoram was the son of Ahab and Jezebel. So, He's speaking to Jehoram here, and, and he says to them, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father, Je Je Ahab, and to the prophets of your mother, Jezebel. Y'all remember what happened to her. But the king of Israel said, No, for the Lord has called these three kings to gather to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives, before who I stand, surely if it were not for my regard for the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I wouldn't even look at you. I don't think Elisha's very pastoral in this moment. <laughs> Verse 15, now bring to me a musician. Somebody say, get the worship leaders. It happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him and he said, thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor you shall see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water. Wait, how's that going to happen if, it, if, it, if, it, if there's no cloud, rain, cloud, no rain? How's that going to happen? So that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. In other words, he said, I, I need you to dig some ditches and, and it ain't gonna, it, they're not going to be filled by rain. They're not going to feel by from some thunderstorm. And you know what? Not only are you going to have enough to drink, but so are your animals. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. You think this is hard for God. You think this is hard for God. You think what you having to deal with is hard for God. You think what you go... He also delivered the more. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also you shall attack... Every fortified city, every choice city, and you shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly, everybody say suddenly, water came by the way of Edom and the land was filled with water. So Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everybody said... I got a long way to go and a short time to get there, so y'all got to pay attention. Come on, let's get to work. Come on, let's get to work. God, the God you serve, the God you came to worship this morning, He is the God who transcends capacity. 
God is the God who is bigger than anything you think can hold him, contain him, or anything he can fill, or anything he can do. The Bible says God is able to do above and beyond, beyond what you even expect, think, or comprehend. God is the God who transcends capacity. You see, why do I say this to you? Because I want you to understand this morning in this place. See, capacity is something that can be measured. You got a gallon pitcher, it's got a capacity of a gallon. It won't hold two gallons. It can be measured. Hello, somebody. You got some measuring cups, they're they're built for capacity. They're built to hold a certain amount. You see what I'm saying? Capacity is, is, is something that can be measured. I need you to understand something this morning that I think in the midst of our struggle and in, in the midst of our lack of understanding and even today in the world that we live in, we forget that God cannot be measured. He formed first, then he filled. In the beginning, God created, come on search, and it was void and without form. And then he filled it. God creates, then he fills. Watch this. He formed Adam first, then he filled him with the bread. Come on church. So you got to understand, there's no such thing as empty. We got this little saying, we got this little thing that we go through, right? Is the glass half full or is it half empty? And somebody wants to prove their wisdom and their knowledge and their ability to understand some things or to prove that they're a smart person. And so the big debate goes about, is it? Is it half full or half empty? And, and so there's no, there's no real answer for it. I say neither. The glass is full. The glass is always full. It's half full of water, half full of air. Come, y'all not listening to me. See, because we want to debate about emptiness, it causes our mind, amen, to go to a place sometime uh, subconsciously, unconsciously, I should say, that, that God can be measured or that there's a limit to God. There's no empty space that some substance does not dwell in. The book of Colossians says all things are held together by Him. Even the smallest thing that we know about, the smallest thing we know about, the atoms, the neutrons, all those things, right? They're so small, right? And and still yet, we know that there's space in between the the nuclei and all the things that are in there. Y'all didn't think I knew all that. And scientists still cannot explain to you that the thing that holds everything together, atoms, they don't understand what holds them together. But see, good theology does. Nothing exists without Him. Jesus holds all things together. God always feels what He creates because He's the only one who transcends capacity. He creates the earth. It's void and without form. And he fills the earth. God creates man. And, and, and man is just a dirt. He's just a mud ball. Hello, somebody. He just something that God formed out of the dust of the earth. And then God filled Adam with the life of God. But even in then, 
Adam couldn't contain everything that was God, he would have blew up. He filled Adam to his capacity. He was full of God. He was as full as he can meet. Now watch this. Today in this text, we meet three kings. Now I, I, I like this text. It's one of my favorite Old Testament passages. And you'll learn why a little bit later. One of the, the kings we meet, he's a godly king. He, his name's Jehoshaphat. And, and, and he's the only one that Elisha respected. Right? Like he, he, he worshipped God. He's the king of Judah. He worshipped God. And, and he was all in with the Lord and, and those things. Another one that we meet is Jeroboam. Now he's the king of Israel. He's the son of Ahab and Jezebel. Y'all know this ain't going nowhere quick. He, Jeroboam is from a long list, a long line of wicked kings. Even though he was the king of Israel, he always saw Yahweh, God, as a political tool. And so if it benefited him politically, amen, to promote Yahweh, that's what he did. If it benefited him uh, politically to promote cow worship, that's, that's what he did. He caused the people of God to sin through idolatry. Come on, somebody. Jehoshaphat and Jeroboam, they could not have been different. They were day and night. They were so much different. And this third king that we meet, he, he, he lived in the desert there in Edom. And, 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 and we don't know his name because likely uh, scholars believe that he was just an appointed king at the moment until the real king could be anointed. And so the Bible doesn't tell you his name because they don't want his name written in history because he wasn't a real king. Come on, someone. I don't have time to, to study your Bible for you. But what happened is these three armies had been fighting Moab. They'd been fighting separately. They'd been going to war against Moab and, and the Moabites and the king of the Moabites separately. And, and this war had been going on. The Moabites just fighting everybody. Yeah. You ever met them people? They just want to fight with everybody. Yeah. Right, Y'all not lit. And so what they do is they, try to, they decide, hey, you know what? Let's join our armies and let's attack Moab together. Uh, we'll be stronger together. We'll be strong. We're going to figure this out. And so uh, as the king of Moab had risen up against the people, these three armies come together to figure out how they can defeat Moab. They look this thing over, they study it. Now, there's strategy involved in this. And if you've never studied Old Testament war strategy, it's, it's an incredible thing. And it really gets my juices turning because to see what they accomplished with a proper strategy, it, it, it helps me understand that even though I'm spiritual, there's something of the Lord about planning. You don't plan to win, you plan to fail by default. I said, if you don't plan to win, you plan to fail by default. And, and it, you, can, you can look at this. and it's, So they say, here's the, here's the only way to do it. If we're going to attack Moab, we have to get in the right position. Somebody say amen. I said, we're going to attack the enemy. We got to get in the right position. Because even though we got three armies to one, even though we outnumber them, we got more resources than they do, if we're in the wrong position, we will lose. Yeah, I said if you're it, they don't hear me over here. I don't care how much resource you have. I don't care how much strength you have. I don't care how much ability you have. If you are in the wrong position, you will always lose. And so they say, here's the only way to get in this position. We're going to have to walk seven days. Everybody say seven days. Through the desert. 
man, come on. Let's don't do that. Let's take a shortcut. We got three armies. We'll be all right. Well, seven days through the desert is going to be rough. It's, it's going to be hard. These three kings have got nothing in common. They've got to come up with something because they've got a common enemy. You ever notice how, how in good times they're, they're, there's such a lack of motivation? You know what? It's so easy to lay in the bed on Sunday morning when everything's going well. Man, I'm just too tired to go to church today. You start suffering, you get out of the bed. In bad times, people seem to be filled with all kind of motivation. Husband and wife, you ain't pray together when times are good. All of a sudden now, you want to catch up with all that prayer when times are bad. You don't even know how to pray for each other. But you found some motivation. Yeah. Y'all got to love me because you're going to heaven with me. Seven days, seven days, seven days. Seven days through the desert. They need to be in the right position. I said they need to be in the right position. They had to go through some tough territory in order to get in the right position. They had, to, they had to go through some tough territory in order to get, they had to make the sacrifice. They had to endure the toughness. They, had, they, they decided that the only way to win was to endure some struggle. God had been talking to us for six weeks, a month and a half now about our position. Move. Because I got you in transition. Because I want you to experience a breakthrough. What about these stones? And my presence is with you. Could it be that you can't overcome your struggle because you don't want to position yourself in the right place? A desert's too hot. That's too hard. It's too hard, Pastor Don. You don't understand what we've been through. You don't understand what we've been struggling through. You don't understand. You don't understand. It takes too much time, Pastor Don. I want, I want God to just, you know, do his thing and it all be over with. It takes too much time. Pastor Don, it, it costs too much money. I remember looking at one husband that the main problem in their marriage, sitting down in marriage counseling with him, was his job. It wasn't that they didn't love each other. They loved each other. I looked at him and I said, brother, you need to quit that job. Well, that's going to cost a lot of money. How much is your wife worth? Now, he ain't like that. Do you know what he did the next morning? He went in and quit that job. He didn't give a two-week notice. He didn't do nothing. He went in and quit that job. You know what that said to his wife? He loves me, and I don't care about the money. I don't care about what we go. We're going to get through it together. You know what God did for him? Within a week, God gave him a new job, making more money with better hours so he could spend more time with his family. And that couple's still married today. It's too hard. It's too hard. That's too much. You're asking too much. That's going to take too much time. I don't know about the cost. What about my bills? What about all those things? I got news for you. I'd rather be married to that woman and be hungry than I would have a table full of food and her not be around. And I like to eat. And she's a 
pretty good cook. People ask me all the time, Pastor Don, do you know how to cook? No. You don't know how to cook? Why? My wife's better at it than I am. Somebody's going to write me an email. I know. I get it. Here's what I don't understand when I sit and talk to people, when I just see people trying to walk with Jesus but still suffering and going through some things. It didn't didn't get me. I I mean, I understand. I I don't understand, right? I don't understand why we would rather be overcome by an enemy than pay the price to get in the right position to see a victory. I don't understand it. I want to win. I want to win. And God has said that I'm more than a victim. I'm more than a conqueror. God has said, I need to stop looking at my circumstance as fighting for victory. And I need to understand that because I'm a more than, co- more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, that I need to start fighting my battles from the point of victory. I've already won because he won. Y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all not hit me. We would rather, we would rather pay the price of being overcome by the enemy than we would to position ourselves for victory. I, I don't get it. I, don't, I can tell my story all day long about my deliverance from pornography. I can tell my story about my chair at the altar on a Sunday morning. I'm sitting here and I ain't leaving until God delivers me. I don't care if everybody leaves. Y'all turn the light out. Y'all go away. I don't care about tomorrow morning. What about, what about if you got to sit there all day? What if you got to sit there all night? What about going to work the, the, the next day? My boss going to miss me because I am determined. I ain't leaving until God meets That's my chair. Twenty-seven years I've been delivered from pornography because I chose a chair. I didn't care how long it took. I didn't care if everybody left. I didn't care if everybody understood. I did not care. That was my chair at the altar. That was it. I was serious. I was, I was tired of being overcome by an enemy because I didn't want to position myself, amen, for victory. I was trying to do it all on my own. I was trying to do it all by myself instead of coming to the altar of God and saying, I'm a sinner who needs your help, Lord. I need your deliverance. I want to position myself right in front of who you are, Lord, and I'm going to stare at you until you deliver me from this thing. Somebody's got to get serious about deliverance. These three armies, they're trying to get in the right position. While they're doing that, while they're doing that, they ran out of water. I told you it's going to happen. I told you. I told you it was to, we should have took the shortcut. Not only have we been marching through a desert, now we ain't got no water. This is horrible. We lost already. We ain't even started fighting yet and we lost already. See, I feel like I've been preaching to some people over the last month and a half who are trying to get in the right place, and, and you've had to go through some dry places to get there. You feel like you ran out of water. I'm preaching better than you, amen. You still want it. You ran out of water. You still believe it, but you ran out of water. That mountain, whatever it is in front of you, whatever it was in front of you, you were going to climb it no matter what. But partway through it, you ran out of water. And now here you sit with no water. Now here you sit, amen, thirsty and dry. Now here you sit, weak and tired from the journey. Now you, here you sit, all depressed and discouraged because you thought, man, I should have took the shortcut. Steph gave a word during worship. 
Some of y'all don't want to do the right things. That's why you're not getting work. You're giving up too soon. You're giving up too soon. You're quitting too early. You know, I love this scripture. This pastor's scripture is incredible because, see, their thirst led them to Elisha. Pay attention. The kings always called the prophets. Come on. Prophets always had to come to the kings. That was protocol. See, when you get thirsty, protocol will go out the window. I see some people pray one way in public. Come on, church. <laughs> they got these fat. Oh, Lord, thou art the gracious and merciful God, and we love you so much, Jesus. And, and we just want to bow before you. I see them pray like it's, you know what? And they, they can pray in King James, man. They can put the thou's and the these in the right place. But I see them when they, when they in private, amen. I see what happens when, when they're struggling, right? I see what happens when all hell's breaking loose in their life. All they can do is stand there and just go, help! Protocols out the window. Look at all that mess, God. If you don't know who you are, we both in trouble. You ain't never prayed that way. I have. Lord, you're gracious and your mercy. You're wonderful, Jesus. We love you. I, I just remember coming to the Lord and just saying one day, God, if you don't know who you are and you need me to tell you, we both in trouble. I got an issue. I need some. I need some help. I came to preach to some people today who ran out of water. And I came to tell you that just because you ran out of water don't mean you won't get there. Just because you ran out of water don't mean you won't get there. Just because the journey's been long don't mean you ain't going to get there. Amen. Just because, amen, you're broke now and everything's falling apart in your finances. As soon as you get ahead one little bit, amen, something else breaks and robs you of your fight. Come on, somebody. Just because, just because your dog don't like you. Come on. Just because you and your wife ain't getting along. I mean, just because, right, your children seem demon-possessed. I'm telling you, you ran out of water. You're, I get you, amen. I get you. It don't mean you ain't going to get there. I said it don't mean you ain't going to get there. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm a preacher that doesn't know how to preach to people who quit. I I don't know how to do it. I don't don't know how to do it. Because, see, I can't quit. I can't quit. I remember one guy coming up to me and said, I quit. I said, how come that? You're the only one with that option. How come in this conversation, you're the only one that gets to quit? I'm tired of people who, who don't give me that option. I don't get to quit. Uh, let me tell you why I don't get to quit. Not because I want the same option as that dude. You know why I don't get to quit? Because I got to get there. I don't know why about you, but I got to get there. I don't know if there's anybody in here who's like me that says, I got to get there. I want to get there so bad, I'll pull a chair up all by myself. And I'll sit with God until he moves. I got to get there. I need this deliverance. I need this breakthrough. I need this move of God in my life. I don't care if nobody else is experiencing revival. In case you hadn't noticed, in the last six weeks, Pastor Don's been experiencing revival. I've had more fun preaching in the last six weeks than I have in three years. <laughs> Revival's got to start with an individual. 
Come on, somebody, because ain't, everybody ain't going. Everybody ain't going. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm just telling you, everybody ain't going, but I'm going. I can't quit. I got to get there. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. You can't get there without God. Mm-mm. Y'all, hold your neighbor. God might just send some Moabites to attack you to show you you can't get there without him. God just might back you in a corner and give you a problem you can't fix to humble you down so that you finally realize, I can't get there without God. Some religious spirit just got mad at me, and that's all right. I like Elisha. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. I'm preaching to somebody today. I just know it. They came to Elisha not because they believed in him. And I love it. This is my favorite portion of the scripture. They came to Elisha, and he was in a bad mood. Y'all don't read your Bible like I do. (laughs) Elisha knew that only one of those scoundrels, Jehoshaphat, was the one who loved God. He knew that the other two were just manipulators. And Elisha ain't got time for people who think they're going to manipulate God. He was in a bad mood. People people who only use God when they're in trouble, that's called a Jehoam spirit. And God's here today to cast some of that out. Don't don't, don't tell me there ain't a Jehoam spirit in the church today. If it benefits me. <laughs> people who really the, the dear home spirit is a spirit that is on people and you can see it because those are people who only want enough of Jesus to get them out of what they're currently in if you don't want to change ain't nothing going to change if you're one of those people who just wants God to change your circumstance there's a Jerohoam spirit around. I listened to Derek Prince this week. Some of y'all don't know who he is, but he had a huge, he's dead and gone to be with the Lord now, but he had a huge uh, 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 deliverance ministry. And my wife and I were trained in deliverance ministry, so I, I, I listened to some of his old stuff. And, and he, I sent it to all the elders this week. And here's what he said. He was speaking to a bunch of pastors, and he he said this. He said, look, if people aren't going to change, don't meet with them. He said, how much time is being wasted in the kingdom of God meeting with people who don't intend to change? He told one couple he was doing marriage counseling with, he said, look here. He said, you're the husband, and the Bible says that, that, uh, that you're supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church. He said, the issue in counseling, the issue is your disobedience to the Word of God. Don't come around here until you plan on being obedient to the Word of God anymore. I can't help you if you won't be obedient to the Word of God. He looked at his, that wife, and he said, the Bible tells you you should be, you should be submissive to your husband. And, and, and you're not submissive. Don't come around here. You're being disobedient to the Word of God. Start obeying the word of God, I'll start meeting with you. Elisha looks at Jeroboam and he says, what's wrong with your prophets? I was taking a nap. Woke me up. I no 
remember who you are, Jeroham. I remember your dad and your mama. I know who you are. What's wrong with your prophets? Why you got to come messing with me? Why you got to come over here? You don't intend to obey God. You don't have a relationship with God. You don't, you don't want what God wants. You only want to be done with the situation. See, too many people come in here on Sunday and they want God to do for them what the devil they've been serving all week long can't do for them. You don't have a relationship with God. You got a relationship with Sunday. And revival's happening in me. I don't know about you, but <laughs> if that's you, just admit it. I need deliverance from a Jeroboam spirit. Pull yourself up a chair. Yeah. <laughs> Out of these three kings, only one had to hook up with God. But it only takes one. I want you to be encouraged. Come on. Come on, it only takes one. I I said it only takes one. When God got ready ready to build an ark, he called one man. Let me encourage you parents. Let me encourage you parents right now. Noah's children were saved not because of their righteousness and who they were. They were saved because of their daddy. encourage you parents it only takes one I I don't have time to preach that sermon to you that's in the family sermon that's coming after the marriage sermon series so y'all get that later hey listen when God got ready to build a Hebrew nation y'all remember that sermon move he called one Abram when God got ready to redeem a world he sent Y'all not helping, y'all not helping me, church. Y'all not born of a virgin. Amen. He sent one. God wanted to redeem the world. He sent one. Amen. Born of a virgin in human skin, wrapped in swaddling clothing. Y'all not listening to me, church. When God got ready to do something, he sent one man. And I'm telling you this morning, it only takes one. If you've ever felt alone in your struggle, it only takes one. I'm telling you, don't quit. I know you ran out of water, but it only takes one. It only takes one. If you give your heart and life to the Lord and commit to his ways. I would that God would raise up around us a generation of Jehoshaphats. Mm. For too long we've been dealing with Jeroboam. It's time. It's time. Everybody say it's time. It's time. It's time for some Jehoshaphats. This, this text in the Bible, it's for me. It's not for you. But I'm going to share it with you. I needed to know this. They had annoyed Elisha. It's for me. You know why this scripture is for me? Because I just learned that you can be annoyed and still be anointed. Y'all don't have any, y'all have no idea how many times I've come home in the afternoon so full of condemnation because I was annoyed with somebody. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to love people. But right now, I just want to help them people meet Jesus right now. I mean, I want everybody to go to heaven, but them folk need to go early. Right? Like, I, I don't get it. Or I, you can ask my wife, and she's the, she's the prophetic one. I'm supposed to be the pastoral one. And so I walk around the house full of condemnation and guilt, and, sh- and I'm just like, why do I feel this way? Why do I just want to choke somebody out in the name of Jesus? I, you know, pray for me. 
I'm human. You know what? No, what people never forget I'm a pastor. But they seem to always forget that I'm human. How come I'm the only one in the church who can't get offended? I come home with my feelings hurt all the time. How could someone misinterpret my heart like that? People leave the church, it crushes me. And then, and then to hear, oh, he don't care. I do care. But I'm the only one in the relationship that don't get to quit. I got to move on because that's a soapbox I didn't intend to go. I, I love the scripture because I, I learned you can, be, you can be anointed while you're annoyed. Amen. And, and Elisha's so annoyed. You know what he did? He's like, man, I got to change the atmosphere. I got to change the structure around here. I got to change this because I'm so annoyed. I can't even look at you. I can't, I can't even look. It's in there. I don't have a trick Bible. It's right in your Bible. I can't, I can't even look at you. If it wasn't for, I couldn't, I would. I can't even look at you. I'm so annoyed. I'm so annoyed. I'm so bothered. I got to change the atmosphere because I know my heart ain't right. Come on, somebody. I know I'm not in the right place with God. And so Elisha says, you know what? Hey, I'm so annoyed right now. I'm so angry. I can't even look at you right now. You know, I'm so bothered. Somebody bring me the musician. Somebody bring me the minstrel. Somebody bring me the worship leader. Somebody bring me the piano player. I need something to change here because I know when worship happens, the atmosphere changes. And I know that when worship happens, amen, not only does God move, but he starts to get my heart right right with him. I can't stay annoyed and worship God. I, I, need, I need somebody to bring me the music. Where's Breno? Breno, get up here. Get up. Where's Bre- Breno? Get, get on the keys. I'm so annoyed. You know, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God will inhabit the praises of his people. The, the Bible says that, look, when you can, he teaches us that when we get into worship, we understand that it's the presence of God that brings us into what God wants to do in our life, that God begins to move in something, right? And, and he said, I got to change the atmosphere. He, he knew fooling around with people were, who weren't serious. Elisha knew fooling around with people who weren't serious annoyed him to the point that he couldn't hear God, that he couldn't focus focus on God. He he had to change the atmosphere from a man-centered atmosphere to a God-centered atmosphere. And so he decided to start a worship service. You know what he did? He he knew that God was the God who transcends capacity. And he says, I got to give God something to feel. I got to give something to feel. Bring me the musician. Bring me the music. I got to give God something to feel. Man, I, he's going to fill up my worship. He's going to come and fill up my praise. You see, worship will focus you because of the power of his presence. Ooh, some of y'all need to give God something to feel. Some of y'all need to give God something to feel. Not just on Sunday morning. But when you're annoyed. When you're bothered. Every Monday, I always realize why every pastor friend I know stays away from the church and his phone on Mondays. And every Monday I come home and I just look at my wife and go, why, why, do, why, why does Monday have to happen? Give God something to feel. It's an atmosphere. It's an atmosphere. See, stop waiting till Sunday morning to give God something to feel. 
Come on, church. Elisha called for the worship leaders and the spirit of prophecy came into that atmosphere. Are you listening to me, church? I said Elisha called for the musician and the spirit began to move. And you know what happened? The spirit of prophecy came to a man who was so annoyed. I got to change the atmosphere, the spirit. A word of knowledge came. The, the prophecy came and said, here's the instruction. I need you to dig some ditches. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. God's problem is the problem of feeling it. Your issue is to be obedient. I, I need you to dig some ditches. I need you to dig some ditches. Y'all not helping me. I need you to get involved here. I need you to get involved in what I'm trying to do in your life. I need you to stop being a spectator in what I'm trying to do in your life. The word of God came. The word of God came. And then a word of, of, of knowledge came. Not only is this God, but you're going to whoop them. You're going to whoop them. You're going to whoop them. <laughs> I, I don't know about you. Remember when David played and the demon left King Saul? If God's people would give God something to feel, there'd be some demon fleeing services. Y'all not listening to me. I said if God's people would just give God something to feel, there'd be some demon fleeing. Sir, the power of God's presence came and Elijah looked up and he said, dig some ditches. God tells his people who've been walking in a desert for seven days without water, Work. Can you imagine how disappointed they were when their three kings came back with no water? Not, not even a canteen. Instead, they came back at the worst possible time with instruction to work. Wait, wait, wait. That's not what I was praying for. That's not how I saw this going, Lord. I'm tired, Lord. I'm weak, Lord. I've been going through some stuff, Lord. I need you to move on my behalf, Lord. Right? I, I, this is the worst possible time in my life, God, for you to ask this of me. I don't have the strength to do it. You don't understand. I've been thirsty for so long. I've been at work. I've been traveling for so long. And it's so hard. And this is the last, this is the worst possible time for you to ask me to do that, God. Not that. Anything else but that, God. Anything else where I'll have to exhibit some kind of responsibility. Pastor Don, I want you to meet with me. But I don't want to do any of the homework you get. Let me help you. To dig a ditch is to create a space. To create a capacity. How much water are you going to send God? No, 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 no. How big a ditch are you going to dig? It's the wrong view of God. How much water are you going to send? No, 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 no. I'm the God who transcends capacity. The right question is, how many ditches are you going to dig? <laughs> God is the God who trans... See, you will always run out of ditch before God runs out of water. Let me bless you. You can't blame nobody if you only get a little bit of water because you weren't willing to dig more than a little bitty hole. What if how much God responds to you is how much you dig? You see... 
I can say this with confidence. Because I don't care where you've been. I don't care what kind of idolatry you've had. I don't, I don't care what you've been struggling with, right? Because, see, God has something planned for you that's bigger than you had planned for yourself. You think it's impossible because of what you've been through. You think it's impossible because of what you're going through. You think it's impossible and it cannot be done. And God speaks to you a word that wasn't what you were expecting. And he says, dig. It doesn't make sense to dig a hole in a hole. They were in a valley. It's actually a dry riverbed. So it's proof that they know water. Been there in a long time. They're in a valley. And so basically what God was saying to them is dig a hole in a hole. No, if you'll just send rain, this is a dry riverbed. It'll hold water. I shouldn't have to do anything. It should be all it. Remember that widow? Elijah and the widow? As long as there was an empty vessel, the oil flowed. Remember what, remember what the prophet said to her? Go, go get empty vessels. I'm in debt already. I can't afford to buy no more vessels. As a matter of fact, the debtors have showed up. And they're going to take my children as payment for the debt. And now you tell me to go borrow more vessels? That's like borrowing more money. I can't do that. And Elijah says, listen to me. Go get for yourself empty vessels. And the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that as long as there was an empty vessel, the oil flowed. I said, as long it flowed and it flowed. It didn't stop flowing until there were no more vessels to fill up. As long as there's capacity, God will fill it. The Bible says, I, I, I got Bible for you. I'm not just up here trying to, trying to uh, hype you up. The Bible says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be. Y'all didn't say it loud enough. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be. I, I don't know. I, I, I just feel the atmosphere changing a little bit. Uh, it's taken six weeks to get there. But here's what I do. See, God will fill capacity. The enemy is the one who wants to numb your thirst. The enemy is the one who wants you to make you wants to make you think that this is all that there is, that it's always been this way and it'll always be that way. So why try anymore? He's trying to talk you in to not dig in your ditch. But I came to tell you, I came to tell hell, I got a shovel, and you better watch out because not only do I have a shovel, I'm looking for a bulldozer. I'm looking for a bulldozer. <laughs> Capacity. This thing ain't going to dig a big enough ditch for me. Amen. I, I, I need a bulldozer, right? I was hungry to be delivered from pornography. I said, I was hungry to be delivered from pornography. I, not my wife. She was sick of me. Come on. But I was hungry to be delivered from pornography. And so I pulled my chair up. I took my shovel. And I said, in the worst possible time, God, I still going to sit here until you do it. I was hungry to keep my wife. I was hungry to keep my family. I was hungry. I was hungry not to be angry anymore. I was hungry for God to take that away from me and give me the spirit of joy. Amen. And to give me the spirit of peace and heart. I was hungry. I was hungry. And it was the worst possible time. And I got news for you, church. I ain't stopped being hungry. I'm still hungry. And I make people crazy because I'm hungry. But here's what happens. Last week we talked to you just a little bit about a vision. 
I should say a vision, not like a prophetic vision, but a strategy vision. God gave, God spoke this to Lynette, and, and we said, how, how, about a, how about a scholarship fund? Because we know our kids, how about a scholarship fund? Because our kids are going to keep going to the mission field. They're they tired of waiting on us. Amen. Us, your old people, you ain't, we're going. And so what if we start a scholarship? What if we start a scholarship where kids can start working in the church and earn so much towards that scholarship for when they go on the mission? Come on. What if we start them in middle school starting to earn, amen, towards that scholarship? What if we start them? Amen. What if we start them in middle school? You don't think the middle school ministry is important now? We just shared a little bit. Last week, someone sent a check. So we want to be the first one to contribute to this vision. Over $600. Y'all not listening to me. I'm still hungry. Your leadership team is still hungry. We still hungry. We still hungry. <laughs> We're not done. You don't understand, Pastor Don. I'm in a low place in my life. You don't understand, Pastor Don. I'm in the valley. The valley's where your faith's proven. God says right in the middle of your valley, that's where your faith is proven. God says right in the middle of your valley, that's where your faith is proven. Anybody can dig from a high place. I'm telling you, I'm telling you this word, but I hope you're receiving it as a life message. I'm telling you a Bible story, but I hope it's speaking to your life story. I want you to understand something this morning. God is giving us specific instructions for our breakthrough right now, right now, right now. The thing we've been wanting all our life, the thing we've been dreaming about and begging God for, the thing now because we're thirsty and tired we have given up on and we think there's no way. God says, no, just one more time, just one more time will you dig just see I just feel right now somebody is tired from the long journey of no water I'm preaching to somebody and I'm preaching better than you amen and amen but if you will just one more time pick up a shovel and begin to dig if you will just one more time I feel like God is waiting on you to respond notice uh, notice notice Elisha did not dig for them it's not my job to dig for you. I'm busy digging for myself. It's not my job. It's not this eldership's job to dig for you. It's not your spouse. Come on, girl, help me preach. Come on, girl, help me preach. It's not your spouse's job to dig for you. Y'all better watch out. She'll prophesy. She likes Elisha more than I do. Can't even look at you. Do you know how many times she said that to me? In the spirit of Elisha, I can't even. Listen, it's not the job of your church's leadership to dig for you. That's my chair. You get your own. You get your own. You can't have mine. You can't have my deliverance. This is my chair. You get your own. That's my wife. Husband, you go get your own. You can't have her. You can't handle her. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I can't handle her. She might be quiet in church. There's a lot of prophecy going on at home. Those are my stones. 
You get your own. You can't have mine. You, you want everything everybody else has got. But you ain't willing to dig for you. That's my family. You see that boy over there? That's my son. You go get your own prodigal. You see that girl in Kalamazoo leading worship? That's my girl. You go get your own. And you have no idea how many times I had to break their hearts. Look them in the eye and not be their friend. My daughter was the only piano player in our church in Florida. She was the only musician. And she wasn't living for the Lord. And I had to set her down in front of the whole church. Everybody, Pastor Don, how come Melinda's not playing the piano? Because Melinda needs to love the Lord, learn to love the Lord. And she would sit there during church. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know what I've been through. Y'all don't know how thirsty I've been. She would sit there during church and she would weep and cry. Because I still made her come to church. Because she couldn't play the piano in church. This ain't no show. This is worship. Church will be over. We had a Sunday evening service. Church will be over. And my little girl would look me in the eye. And she would say, Daddy, can I stay at church and play the piano while everybody's gone? Yes, ma'am. We'd leave there at noon. Church was at 6 o'clock. I'd show back up at 5.30. She's still playing the piano. When church started at 6, she couldn't play. I'm mean, aren't I? Now, you see that little girl leading worship this week? Come on. You go get you on. You can't have mine. You can't have my journey. I can tell you about my journey. I can tell you how thirsty I was, but I can't be thirsty for you. I can't be thirsty for you. You know, while the, the last six weeks has been about, you want me to tell you what the last six weeks has been about? It's been about making room for what God wants to do. And some of y'all ain't got enough capacity. You need to start digging. Can you imagine the disappointment when their king showed back up with no water? Instead, they came back with work. Because let me tell you something, water's work. Notice he said, when you start digging, there ain't going to be no wind. There ain't going to be no rain. In other words, it ain't going to happen like you expect it to happen. It ain't going to happen through the natural. It's going to happen through the supernatural. Right? Because, see, I'm asking you to do the natural. I'm going to follow it with the supernatural. I'm going to follow it with the supernatural. In other words, it ain't going to look like what you think it's supposed to look like. You won't see it coming. What I'm about to do for you is not going to come through the natural. I'm talking to somebody this morning. Counseling hadn't worked. Come on, counseling hadn't worked. You've been to counselor after counselor after counselor. It ain't worked. It ain't worked. It ain't happened like you thought. You Rehab hadn't worked. Amen. Rehab hadn't worked. Re, you've been through it. You've been trying to rehab it. You've been trying to 12-step it. You've been trying to do this and trying to do that. Medicine hadn't worked. You've been trying to do this and trust in that. Uh, right? Somebody, somebody's been carrying around. Right? right? You've been trying to heal from anger and bitterness in your heart. And you don't know how to let it go because you've been carrying around a spirit of offense. 
arguing and fussing and fighting. It hadn't worked. It hadn't worked. There ain't going to be no wind. There ain't going to be no rain. But I promise you there's going to be water. I said I promise you there's going to be water. God said there's going to be so much water that even the animals are going to drink. He's going to feel according to your digging. Everybody say according to my digging. He's going to feel according to your digging. Stop telling me tithing don't work. Get your shovel out and dig. Hey, stop telling me amen, that your marriage can't be fixed. Get your shovel out and start digging. Stop telling me your prodigals ain't going to come home. Amen. Start digging in the valley. Take a hole that is a hole and dig some more church. Stop telling me your family can't be restored. Stop telling me what God can't do. Stop telling me you can't be delivered from addiction and burdens and chains. Stop telling me you can't get over it. Stop telling me God's not big enough to fill it. God transcends capacity. Some of y'all need to give him something and fill. Pick up a shovel and start digging. Pick up a shovel and start digging. Find your deliverance. Find what God wants for you. This is what God is doing. Stay, stay standing to your feet. Most preachers will have you sit down. But no, we're going to do this right here, right now. Amen. This altar's open. This altar's open. I don't know where your chair is. I know where mine is. Amen. This altar's open. I don't know where your shovel is, but I know where mine is. I don't know where your rock is, but I know where they Here's all, all the ditches were filled, and the armies drank, and the animals drank. And Elisha looked at them all and said, This ain't no, this, ain't, this is a small thing for God. I'm so, I can't even look at you. So, this is a small thing for God. You've been living like it's a hard thing for God to feel your thirst. The problem is, you're making God so small. Here's the end of the story. Here's the end of the story. I don't have time to read it to you. In the morning, everybody say in the morning. Woo, so much water came. Mm. It caused the whole valley, filled, the Bible said it filled the country. And the king of Edom woke up and he looked over that valley and it looked red. He said, what I see, what I see, man, those three armies, they didn't like each other. They were massing to fight me. Man, it looks like blood. Can you see the reflection? The sun's rising. It's red. It looks like the valley's full of blood. They must have fought each other all night. You know what? Wait, let's go down there real quick. Let's go down there real quick and whoop what's left of them. I don't have time to read your Bible for you. Come on, church. And when he ran down there to try and whoop what's left, hello, somebody. The army of God whooped them so bad. And let me tell you something. It's because they had drank that water early in the morning. And they had gotten refreshed. Ain't nothing like fighting Pastor Don when I'm refreshed. <laughs> you might think you can whoop me when I'm tired and down and out. Amen. When I'm thirsty and burdened and I'm weak from the journey. But when I'm refreshed. And the Bible says that times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. If we'd only heard a sermon about the power of His presence recently. 
The times of refreshing come from the press. Ain't nothing like fighting me when I'm refreshed. Ain't nothing like fighting me when I'm full of God. Ain't nothing like fighting me when I picked up my shovel and God has finally answered my prayer. Amen. Y'all need to understand they would never be able to overcome the enemy unless they dug those ditches when it was the hardest time to do it. What you trying to defeat? What's standing in the way of your miracle? What breakthrough do you want so bad that you are willing to walk through a desert and dig ditches when you are tired? What do you need God to do so bad that you are willing to dig one last time? I'm just going to speak it in faith right now. Can you have, can you have faith for one more time? Can you have faith for one one more shovel full? Can, can you have faith? I know you're tired. I know it's hard. I want to be real. Thirst is real. I know what it's like to be thirsty. The first time Josh Wired took me on the mountain, we couldn't carry water because water's too heavy. And we got up to 12,000 feet. And I was so thirsty, I was sucking on snow. Just all that, we didn't have no water. I was so thirsty, climbing to 12, 60 pounds on our back. It was terrible. Josh Wire tried to kill me, y'all. And Josh said, don't worry, there's a pond up here. I've been coming up here 25 years. It's always full of water. We'll get water when we get there. And I was like, okay. We got on top of that mountain, y'all. And we found that water hole. Man, I was certain Josh was like, it's 100 yards. It's right over there. I was so ready. I was so ready. I was so ready. And we got over to that water hole, and it had cracks in the bottom of that dirt so deep you could put your arm in it through the elbow. Wasn't no water. And, and I, I, I was a real panicked to start with until I looked over and saw Josh Wired's face. And when I saw him panic, I thought, well, we just died. We're going to die. Can you dig? Can you dig? Can you dig one more time? Just when you think you're going to die, can you dig? Come on. Hey, come on, church. What do you need God to do so bad that you're willing to dig? Dig your own ditch. Dig, come on. Come on. Look at your neighbor say, dig your own ditch. If you don't dig, he won't fill. If you dig, he will fill. He's the God that transcends capacity. Right now in this place, let's just raise our hand. God, deliver us. God, deliver us. Oh, Lord, you've been speaking. Lord, you've been speaking. God, move by your power and by your spirit in this place, God. There's some people who've been in the desert, Lord. They're trying to get themselves in the right position, but God, it's cost them. It's cost them, Lord. Lord, right now in this place, Jesus, I just pray that you would come, God. Encourage them to dig one last time, Jesus. Encourage them to dig one last time, Lord. Encourage them, Lord. 
Father, would you just come in that moment, God, of addiction right now. God, where everything they've tried to break through those chains of being captive, God. Lord, break those chains, Lord, as they dig one last time. God, those prison doors. God, that prison door of depression. That prison door of suicide. That prison door of anxiety. Right now, God, would you come as they dig a hole in a place, God, that don't seem fair. Would you come, God, and fill them, God, with your joy and with your life in Jesus' name. God, right now, I pray. I pray, God, for that marriage, Lord. When they think it's over. God, would you just come, God, and encourage them to dig one last time. One last time, God. Come on, church. If you can't pray, you can sing. We got a call for the minstrels. Maybe you got a bad attitude. Maybe you are annoyed at what's going on. Come on. A worship service. Healing Come on, I feel it, I feel it. I feel the atmosphere changing. I feel it changing. I feel faith rising up where there wasn't before. Amen. I feel courage rising up where there wasn't before. Come on, I feel strength rising up when weakness was there before. Lord, you're turning lives around. You're turning lives around. Come on, church. How would you lift your voice? Where's your host of
bringing your struggle. Keep bringing that addiction. Keep bringing that, that thing that's holding you captive. Keep bringing that depression. Keep bringing that anxiety. Watch what God does. Watch what God does. Let me tell you something else. When God meets you, you got to walk that out. You got to walk that out. God poured out water, but they still had to fight. God poured out water, they still had to fight. Tomorrow, you're going to have to fight. Your marriage is worth the fight. Your children's worth the fight. Your breakthrough's worth the fight. I can't preach to people who want to quit. Because I got to get there. I got to get there. The Bible says that God has come. He sent his son to give us life and life more abundant. The Bible says that he is the living water. Y'all need to drink something. God fills that valley with water. Jesus is the living water. And when, when a pagan king, when the enemy looked at that valley full of water, Jesus is the living water, he saw red. That's the blood of Jesus. It sets us free. Amen. And washes us clean. Y'all not, y'all not, y'all don't read it. I, I can't, they don't read that Bible like y'all do. I want to pray for us right now. And here's what we're going to do. If God is moving with some people at this altar, we're going to leave them there as long as they want to stay. So I'm going to ask if God, if you, if you feel like God has spoke to you and you can take what God has given you and it's time for you to, you, you can move on, then I want you to do that respectfully, amen, and honorably as we let God continue to move at this altar. Is that all right? Is that all right? Father, right now in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord Jesus. I said, thank you, Lord Jesus, for moving of your spirit. Thank you, God, that you feel, you feel, God. God, you, you call us to give you something to feel. And so here we are. This is our life, emptied for you. Move God by your power and by your spirit. Lord, we pray for all of those that you are working on right now. All of those, God, we pray for each and every one in this house, each and every one who has heard this word, that Lord Jesus, we would pick up a shovel and dig. Lord, our ears long to hear the victory that you will give us. The victory you will give us. We pray it in Jesus' name. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone in the house said, Amen. Bless you. Give the Lord a hand of praise. If you need to be dismissed, you can. If you want to stay and pray, you can.